making sure someone is holding the plastic tightly to the screen. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Pete's Crit Podcast. My name is Zach Hodges, and I'm a current PICU fellow at UT Southwestern in Dallas. And I'm Alice Shanklin. I'm a PICU fellow at Children's National in Washington, D.C. Alice, will you remind our listeners what we do here at the Pete's Crit Podcast? Yes, Pete's Crit is a collaborative educational PICU podcast. We work with pediatric critical care attendings and fellows across the United States, but also internationally to create high-yield blog and podcast episodes on core PICU topics. And listeners, if you're a pediatric critical care provider and would like to become involved in this project, be sure to reach out to us by email or on our website at pedscrit.com. We are hoping to create space to further add to the online community of peds ICU learners by collaborating with guest educators on their favorite critical care topics. So please reach out if you have something in mind. Now, Zach, who are we talking with today? So today we're talking with Dr. Gina Patel and Dr. Alyssa Stoner. Dr. Alyssa Stoner is an assistant professor of pediatrics at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Medicine, and is a pediatric intensivist at Children's Mercy, Kansas City. Yes. And Dr. Gina Patel is a second year Peds Critical Care Fellow at Children's Mercy as well. In these episodes, we're talking about the essentials of intubation in multiple parts. And this is part three. And we'll discuss special considerations when intubating a suspected COVID positive patient. Yes, we know it's a difficult and highly protocolized procedure. We'd love to hear what your institution does, but let's get to the episode. Our last section for today's talk will be about COVID considerations. You want to get us started there? Yeah. So using the SOAP me mnemonic is really still useful in these situations, but you're just going to think about additional equipment that you need. The other thing that's very important is just making sure, one, you understand your institution's process of how to safely intubate a COVID patient or a COVID rule-out patient, and then knowing what kind of equipment your institution has to keep you safe, the patient safe, and then all the other personnel in the room. And so I go through the checklist, but just once again, adding a few additional equipment in the E portion of the soap me mnemonic. And so the additional things that I would also consider is a HEPA filter and making sure that's been attached to the bag and the mast equipment, because when you're bagging a patient, that's an aerosol generating procedure. And so once again, making sure you're keeping everyone safe in the room. And the other thing that you really need is a the way our institution decided to intubate these patients is to put a plastic sheet over the patient's upper portion of the of their mm. chest and their head. And so as you can tell, that can make it very difficult to visualize because you cannot get under the plastic because then you're defeating the purpose. And so you really have to get used to using video laryngoscopy to intubate the patient. And so this is where the biggest challenge comes and how knowing how to intubate these patients. It's because a lot of times, especially in big institutions where the fellows are typically intubating the patients, the respiratory therapists forget what it's like to truly be actually intubating. So one of the issues that I ran into was whenever you cover the patient with plastic, you're also covering your CMAC screen with the plastic. And so if someone is not tightly holding the plastic to the screen, it's very difficult to visualize your airway because you just have crinkled plastic. And so really just talking that out as you guys are getting ready. So just going from start to finish, you know, once again, you're going through your soap mnemonic, making sure a plastic sheet is covering your patient 
the head and the upper portion of the chest and you're bagging the patient underneath the plastic so you're not getting aerosols everywhere. And then when you're getting ready to intubate, you're using a video laryngoscopy. So you can either use a CMAC or the blade that's attached to the tower and making sure the tower is covered in plastic. And a big portion of that is making sure someone is holding the plastic tightly to the screen. So you're able to truly visualize what you're doing. And a lot of it is based on feel too, when you're Mm -hmm. initially inserting the blade, because you generally know where you're going, but you're not looking at the patient anymore directly like you are in other intubations. And really making sure you have your technique right, making sure you're sweeping the tongue out to your left with the blade. And then once you're at the base of the tongue and near the glottic opening, you should hopefully be able to visualize that on the screen and then just looking at the screen and being able to insert the ET tube that way. Other things that make it challenging is that if the patient truly does have COVID or if they're in respiratory failure and they're in bad shape, you probably don't have a lot of time to get that breathing tube in. And so I think that's where experience really helps is that if you're used to intubating, then you're able to increase your chances. And also if you're using a checklist, increasing your chances of being successful on your first attempt with intubations with these patients. But it's definitely challenging. This is also an important thing in terms of making sure you have all your equipment is making sure that everyone is wearing their PPE in the room. And Mm -hmm. that might not be the case every time because if you're rushing in there, people may forget or, you know, everyone's putting the patient first before themselves. So really surveying the room in terms of what's going on just to keep everybody safe at the time. Mm -hmm. When we were developing this process and system, I think it has also changed during the COVID era now that we've been in the pandemic for the last year. So the initial thoughts were to try to limit the aerosolized particles as much as possible, right? And so there are different approaches that other institutions have also utilized. So we opted to use the plastic drape and other institutions kind of use maybe a box configuration that kind of limit that. Mm -hmm. The main concept was really to be a little bit more removed from the airway. And so that's where the video laryngoscopy comes into play. And so the strategies that we had developed initially have now kind of migrated to be, well, maybe you don't necessarily need the plastic up and over the patient's head. Now maybe just kind of over the chest. So when you have those aerosolized particles, we can remove that from the patient and it's not kind of lingering in the room. Mm -hmm. And then in addition, making sure you have the appropriate PPE and you have the HEPA filters in place. So not only do you have it between the mask and the anesthesia bag, but you also have it in line in the ventilator. So those are the strategies that our institution has utilized in approaching a COVID patient. But again, it may be different at your institution. And so just understanding what those institutional guidelines are is helpful. Mm -hmm. The one additional piece that I'll add in is there's been recommendations, just like Gina mentioned, to have the most experienced person do the airway management. If you're going to provide bag mask ventilation to use the two-person technique, so you have one person holding a good seal on the mask and another person bagging, and then to limit the amount of people in the room as much as possible. And so we've developed a modified team strategy where you have a group of individuals in the room and a group of individuals outside of the room that can provide additional supplies so you don't have to have the door open between the two scenarios. And so really trying to limit the room to the person who's intubating, the bedside nurse, and the respiratory therapist. So in an ideal world, perhaps three, maybe four people inside being exposed, and then the remainder of the team immediately available outside of the room. 
And what is important about that is that you have to have adequate modes of communication. And so what we have identified is that there has been, despite all of our efforts and all of our levels of technology, having consistent modes of communicating between the inside team and the outside team can be challenging. And so we really just recommend making sure you have a couple of modes that are immediately available to you. So usually we kind of resort to what we call or refer to as our ASCOM phones and then a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And that's really been shown to be the most beneficial. Mm-hmm. So the COVID intubation is definitely a systems problem. You got to have the appropriate PPE, you got to have the appropriate personnel, the appropriate equipment. But thinking for an operator, it really comes down to identifying you know, who needs to be in the room, who definitely doesn't need to be in the room. What additional barriers do you need to protect the room? So whether it be a plastic bag or a plastic box, and then technically leaning more towards video laryngoscopy instead of direct. So you're out of the airway a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's perfect. That's a great summary. Well, is there anything else on COVID we want to mention? One other piece is that it seems as though each institution has their own kind of like infographic or guide mm-hmm. as to how to approach these situations. And so just understanding the importance of knowing what that is and where to get to it is helpful. Mm-hmm. So Alyssa and Gina, this has been a great episode. I feel a little bit more prepared going into my fellowship and, and to intubate some of these these children and babies covered a lot of great information. First, focusing in on um, a checklist and how important that is for, of course, your routine intubations, but even for those who are who are not so routine when maybe they're, they're crash intubations and things aren't going so well. Next, we summarized the SOAP me mnemonics. We talked about their suction device, oxygen, airway equipment, patient positioning, the personnel needed, medications and equipment, and we'll put all that in the blog post. And then moving on to equipment, we talked about the size of the endotracheal tube, how a micro cuff might give us some significant advantages, but also disadvantages for particular patients. And we talked about how deep to place those tubes. Kind of wrapping things up, we moved towards video laryngoscopy and fiber optic endoscope, how they might have some unique circumstances where they might have advantages over direct laryngoscopy, and then capped it all off with COVID considerations. I think it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. I love thinking about the way that you go from frantically thinking about your equipment to thinking about the patient and to learning how to manage the room and the team during the intubation. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. And thank you for listening to this episode of Pete's Grit. Please remember that everything discussed is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It should not be used as a replacement for medical advice. The views expressed during this episode by hosts and our guests are also their own and do not reflect the official positions of their institutions. If you have any comments, suggestions, or feedback, you can email us at pedscritpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out pedscrit.com for detailed show notes and visit at critpeds on Twitter and at pedscrit on Instagram for real-time show updates. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>